progressive overload is novelty of stimulus. Yeah. So when you go from one training system, mountain dog to DC or the, or vice versa, it's a novel stimulus. It's still weight training, of course, but it's something different. Both of those are hypertrophic stimuli, train, hypertrophic training regimes, but it's novelty. So progressive overload is novelty of stimulus. A- absolutely. You got more reps with more weight or both. That's the key right there. Absolutely. Yeah. And a new exercise is novelty of stimulus. That's why a new exercise will make you sore when old exercises didn't. And a new training system that will, will make you sore in the right amount, novelty in the right amount. Yeah. Like you go and say, okay, today I'm going to go from DC and I'm going to do 100 rep sets on everything for, for 10 of them. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's just stupid. That's not, that's, not a smart, that's not a smart jump to make. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Muscle Minds with Scott Stevenson. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. Uh, we are also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our Canadian people. And we're brought to you by Scott's book, Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach. You can pick that up at byobbcoach.com or you can go to Amazon to get that, the hardcover, the hardcover edition. That's the one I would suggest to get. It's nice to have a book in your hands. You know what I'm saying? What's up, Scott? Nothing much, man. We're going early today. This is cool. Yes. Yes. I'm glad to have some people here on the live feed here at Facebook. Uh, for the recorded version, this is coming out on YouTube. Guys, do us a favor, hit the like button, leave us some comments. And if you have not subscribed, uh, I encourage you to because we have several programs coming out each week. Tons of different hosts, different types of content, all related to bodybuilding education. A little bit of entertainment in there, too. We have Scott's got a question for us uh, related to uh, it looks like it's going to be a a, a training programming question. And uh, I I forgot we did have that um, physique critique. Somebody specifically yeah. asked for you. So I will dig that up as we get a little further into the show. We'll, we'll close the show out with that physique critique. Uh, that was cool. from one of our Patreon guys. Speaking of which, guys, if you want to help support the program, check out Patreon. Uh, you know, Think big, bodybuilding. We'd love to have you over there. All right. Where are we going, Scott? What is this first question you got for us, man? I, I first I have to apologize because I'm a victim of a victim of planned obsolescence in my computers. They're just like I spent <laughs> like an hour and a half today trying to get my monitor to work. It won't even start up in recovery mode, so that's bad. It's like like there's no pulse. So thus we have we're stealing from my message board, and this is an opportunity for public service announcement. Yes, people. It's funny. It still happens, but I think it probably it's just human nature. People ask me questions. I, if someone buys my Fortitude Training book, they get lifetime Q and A on my discussion board as long as I'm doing things. Hell yeah, it's been cool, going on for man. like eight years. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's twenty bucks, and it's funny. I mean, literally, I answer the questions. Everyone who's been on there, they can confirm. Probably some people who are here now. I answer. I give. I go into those. I spend an hour sometimes answering a single question. I know I've I've seen you do that, man, and that's yeah. and and a lot of people are like, you know, for instance, we've got Matt here who says, "Good morning, geniuses." I know a lot of people refer to you as like being a really smart guy, as I do yeah. too. But like you said, man, I and I see it. The reason that you are so smart is because you care to you take the time answering those, as you've told me, answering those questions helps you to continue educating yourself, right? A- absolutely, man. So. Yeah, so people can access that. They can access me. It's totally free. Like I have people who want to do consults. I'm like, dude, that's a simple. You bought the book. Like, just ask the question. I'll type out your answer. You're good to go. Yeah. You didn't got to pay me. 
yeah. you know, for what would be a five minute conversation or a voice message. Yeah. But I can yeah. give you all the details, like with the link links and like what we're going to do now, if you want to pull that up. Yeah. Um, it's helpful to see text sometimes if I just we have a conversation and I'm explaining like the nuances of a um, of a program. Um, if you can see shit, there you go. Yeah. It's much easier. So anyway, this is this is a question that um, uh, was asked, started a, you know, a few days ago. And someone was, was asking about frequency of training and they want to um, change what's done in Fortitude training. It was kind of cool because it's years ago, for those uh, who listeners who are kind of OGs, used to remember from, and Ken would totally, Skip would totally, know about this because it was the constant thing so that there, there were the dog pound nazis okay who would with good reason too they would jump on people who wanted to like i'm going to do dog crap training but i want to do it different from the get-go yes <clears throat> that's like just follow it the way it's written and i've said the same thing many many times to people about fortitude training because um not that I don't want people to, in fact, it's just the opposite. I want people to do whatever is going to suit them best for making gains or enjoying the program or what have you. But that um, if you do fortitude training as it's written in the book, then you join the group of people who have all done that, had that same experience. Yeah. So if you've got to work something out, it's kind of like everyone's work on a, on a, 350 Chevy engine, you know, or a, a 7.3 power stroke or whatever. It's like everyone knows what that is. But if every mechanic all across the world worked on different engines and they had to kind of compare notes to see what their background information was every time, the communication wouldn't be that great. But you can like someone gets a, a mechanic gets an engine in and it's a well-known engine mm -hmm. and he's not quite sure what to, what's going on. He can call his buddy who he knows is more experienced than him and say, hey, you know, what do I do when this starts happening to me on day two of fortitude training or whatever? Yeah. Or, or the engine. So that's why, what's one reason why I suggest, and it's just, and it's a, another analogy. This is, this is a like our overarching theme. Sometimes people will criticize coaches for putting someone on a generic diet when they're like, not quite sure what, if someone has no structure. Yeah. So they just put them on, look, let's try you on this generic diet. We'll try that's this. All you can do, you know? Yeah. So, but people are like, well, he just gave me a generic diet. It's like he's looking to – hopefully, if, if it's a good coach, he or she is looking to see how you respond yeah. to that diet. Exactly. So modifications can be made. So, so throw the graphic back up if you could. All right. And that shows fortitude training in the basic version. I just kind of typed this out, so sorry for any typos. Um, it's a four-day-a-week program, and day one um, – oops, see another typo. Day one is loading lower <laughs> and pump upper, and day two is the reverse of that, so that's a typo. Yeah. Um, loading, loading upper, pump lower. Okay. And then day three, you do lower muscle rounds, basically. Um, and day four, and, and biceps, I think, is in there, and day four, upper muscle rounds. Yeah. So that gives you training. You're training everything three times a week. Day one's full body two different styles of training for the upper versus the lower heavy and then lighter. Um, and the different set types are in there. And then day three and day four, you're covering, you're basically doing an, a, a lower upper. So that's the basic version, but you can see that is made up of sort of training chunks or training units in a way. So hmm. you could, if you wanted to, if you want to flip it around, 
you could do day two first, start with the loading upper. Sorry, I forget for the typo. Yeah. And pump lower and then do day one and then come back and do day four and day three. So you could go two, one, four, three. Sure. Okay. Yeah. If you wanted to. So let's say, you know, you've got day one, the first day in this, or you want to have a day um, you have when you're best recovered and that's when you want to do upper because upper is what um, lags on you and mm. heavy upper is what you, you sense is really important because you're relatively weak. So you see, you see that as something that's um, you could improve upon. And mm. if you get stronger, you're going to get bigger as long as you're eating to some degree, it's going to happen. So you decide to flip things around and have uh, the freshest day, your best training day of the week, given your schedule, with day two. So you can just flip those days. Yeah. So the other, um, the other option, and this is the next paragraph down there, the cluster of lines down there. Uh-huh. This is what the um, question was about. It's like, is it okay to do this? And it's with lower frequency. And that basically is just a lower loading and pump. Mm-hmm. And then, and this, and this person was doing a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, okay, which is totally fine. Sometimes people who like to train on the weekends might go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. But this is a general kind of very typical spacing. So it's training everything um, just twice a week. So you're training lower on Monday and Friday, upper on Wednesday and Saturday. So that's another. And he was concerned that he was losing out. And this is what the follow-up question was, was about, is that you're losing out on frequency, which... It is a change in frequency, and that one thing to one thing to think about, and this is this is important, is that the quality of training at the end of those sessions could be 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 reduced. So let's say you start Monday with lower, you go hardcore with your legs, you do squats, you just literally go after it. And if you do that, let's say you're you're training at a certain training volume, yeah, um, then by the time you get to the end and try to do the pump sets, what you can do with those is going to be diminished. So at least from a tensile perspective, how much force you're producing, the stimulus will be less. Uh, yeah. So that's, so what hap- happens and this is why people like, like I know Derek at one point was Oslin weapon X was doing one of the twice a days. And his main reason for that was that he can be fresh yeah, and have like that, you know, fresh, a uh, clear mind, no fatigue that's accumulated during the training session um, effect right at the beginning, which makes of sense. Every workout, yeah. yeah. My my thought on that is that there's also a cumulative effect uh, that occurs, and getting up for every workout and it's an impact on sleep. If you train late in the day, hmm. that can that can throw some people off. That hasn't ever worked for me, and it doesn't work for some people. But but everyone is different, and there's different ways to skin this cat. So. The interesting thing is that we've covered this in Muscle Minds 100, the 100th episode, where I, I talked about that. training. Yeah, yeah, guys, I got to tell you, too, if you guys haven't listened or watched those episodes, 100, 101, and 102 are probably some of our best episodes, I would say. And they, they really kind of culminate oh, yeah. a lot of the things that we've talked about over the the past hundred episodes really you know when it, and it sums it up into a nice package those three episodes are are probably some of our best i think yeah so that's the study that showed that when they were varying volume and frequency at the same time i'll just give the sh- a short version 
Some people did better with with a higher volume and frequency. Some people did better with lower volume and frequency. So not everyone's the same. So it's interesting, the mindset here, and this this is just human nature, this is how we are, is and this is what fortitude training takes advantage of the potential benefits of higher frequency training. Yes. So it's three times a week. It's a high frequency training program, but that's not the best for everybody. And that's what that study demonstrated. The follow-up when they looked at the individual responses and clustered them and saw that one third did better with higher frequency versus lower and higher volume too. And then one third did was the other way around. And then one third didn't really matter. You know, after doing all these shows with you, Scott, I, and, and, I, I truly, and then seeing, experimenting in my own training, I truly do believe too that part of it is related to like, what were you doing going into that? You know what it I mean? Matter. Like, like, like yeah. is high frequency good? Well, you know, yes. But what were you doing before that? If you were already doing really high frequency, then maybe high frequency, maybe you would do better than, maybe that guy would be one of the people that on the charts and graphs would be like, hey, lower frequency works better for him. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that's a, that's a factor. It's not like a, it's not, am I right that it's just not black and white that like even the same person, I guess is what I mean, is some guy who's mm-hmm. been doing the bro split for all of his training. Maybe he'll be a guy that does better with high frequency Maybe not, but maybe he would. Maybe he would, and then maybe a guy who's doing higher frequency, maybe you know, taking a break from it could even be beneficial. Just hitting everything once a week. Your um, your buddy Mike Mentor was yes. someone who was criticized back in the day because My he buddy. would take on he would take on. This is like folks won't remember this. Maybe the if HIT advocates or um, people who have been in that camp might might remember that one of the one of the arguments wagered against. His training was that he was taking people who were doing high volume, doing too much, who yeah. were overreached. And all he was doing was basically pulling back enough so that they could realize the gains that they had accrued, so to speak, the deposits in the gain tank that they'd made yeah. up until that point. And there's something to say for that. Yeah. There absolutely is. We talked about that before on the show. You know, there, there's some, there's a, there's a particular study out of Norway where they just tr- overtrained the bejesus with the, a, blood, a high frequency blood flow restriction type of regime, and then they saw growth that occurred like twenty days after the last holy crap, st- the last regimen. Yeah, so like that's that was pretty cool. It took a long time for it to manifest, yeah. so it gives you an idea of the time scale where, like, literally, like you might be where you've done six months of a training program. So you got an extended off season, and you're not going anywhere, and you simply change to something that allows you to recover. And you set in motion satellite cells and all the various processes that underlie hypertrophy. And you simply are, are, are literally realizing those things that you could have you could have stuck. You could have maybe even stuck with the same training regime and just cut your volume in half and uh, done a deload. Ah, uh, you know? yeah, yeah. But you switch programs because you're maybe psychologically so burnt out. And maybe you go to a higher frequency, lower volume. So you go from mountain dog training to DC training and you start making progress. Yeah, both of those are effective programs. We know that, but you're like, wow, DC works so much better for me than Mountain Dog, and it's like, yeah, but it's contextual on a time basis. Yeah, but what that, you that's, did during uh, Mountain Dog prepared you for the gains that you made in a certain way. It set you up for this. Yeah, for the gains you make during DC training. I and I think it's important just to recognize that 
little tidbit. I don't want to go too. I know I kind of. I didn't know. I kind of like side swayed us. Is that a that's a sidebarred us a little bit there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I I wanted to just kind of throw that out there because I know that that's something that you're you're not saying that this is black and white. But in general, it makes sense. You've told me higher frequency. You know, every time, and it's the way I've explained it to others after hearing you say it that the every time that you can train and recover, you've triggered growth. So a guy in general who say trains twice a week could trains everything twice a week. He could say, try to bring his back up. Would you do better with 104 sessions per year or 52 sessions per year? Mm -hmm. You know, assuming Mm -hmm. you can recover. So it makes sense. So you're telling us. So in general, what you have going on with fortitude is that everything is going to get hit in some fashion three times. It's more, it's more frequently. Yeah. That's the basic version. Yeah. Um, there's a turbo version where you hit everything four times a week. Okay. So, but you, you, and basically only difference between those two is that you're just distributing the volume over four days versus three days. So the, the, the muscle rounds on which, which normally kind of lower upper pattern, you're just doing a lower with a little bit upper on one day and then you do upper with a little bit of lower the next day. So it's very different what most people are used to. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, so, and here, so here's the thing. And that, that logic does make sense. Like the more times you can, you can turn on a, a hypertrophic stimulus and recover the better. So 104 is better than 52. <clears throat> that may, there's, there's definitely something to say for that, especially when you look at it through the window of, of the protein synthetic response, which is, you know, going to last a day or two at most. And it becomes less, the more adapted to training, the more trained you become. But on the long haul, too, we've also got this, this progression of satellite cells where they undergo um, their processes to incorporate themselves as nuclei into a growing fiber based on this satellite um, nuclear domain um, idea. So you need more, need more nuclei in a cell that's bigger because the cell's so gigantic. It just needs those nuclei to govern those those domains, those areas within the cell. So when you go and train and you have, I mean, you're you're creating tremendous tensions in those cells and you're turning on um, energy turnover. Like there's like when you get really, really sore, this won't be happening for someone who's been training regularly because they got a protective effect. You're not getting diabolically sore, but this goes back to the topic of soreness. There's even a study showing that with like a thousand after a, it was a, a exercise soreness or muscle injury protocol that even like a thousand grams of carbs over the 24 hours after that bout did not replenish glycogen hmm. at all. Wow. Yeah. And some, some of that is probably because the, maybe those mechanisms are just so disru- disrupted yeah. <clears throat> and some of it is the energy turnover. The fact that you know that incoming energy is being used to repair rather than being stored it's going right where it needs to be going where it needs to be used so if you think about what's going on and this is this has always sort of um intrigued me when you think about a muscle cell that in the long haul is going to have to rebuild itself so let's let's say imagine your um imagine it's a it's a house we use a little bit different analogy this time and you're, grow, you're adding rooms to the house, and each room has to have a space heater because you've got, you've got no um, HVAC in there, no centralized. 
So you've got to have a space heater and maybe a, an air conditioner. And that's your nucleus for each room. So the bigger the house, the more the rooms, the more space heaters you have. And in order to do that, you've got that's not a, just a simple process to plop it in there. You've got to set up some electricity to go in there. So there's some organizational process. We're talking about putting a nucleus into a muscle cell. So that's a, there's a lot that goes on with the, um, the proliferation and differentiation of those satellite cells. So they can go from just kind of lurkers who are waiting to be called into action to being active nuclei um, residing within a muscle cell. So, but the stimulus for that is disruptive. So what's telling the guys in the house that they need to build another room, make the muscle cell bigger, and build out the electrical to accommodate these new nuclei, the eight the heaters, is disruption of the house, like an earthquake. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that's kind of what's going on when you're when you're when you're traumatizing the muscle. You're creating a form of muscle injury through the extreme exertion of lifting. Yeah. So what are these guys how how does that impact their ability to do that? Like if they're in there like shaking around and they're they're trying to like hook the electrical up. Literally, you've got such a disruptive and energetically um, uh, expensive process you set in motion to turn on the muscle growth. If you're doing too much of that, and let's say you're, you're not actually recover, you're not giving enough time after a session for those heaters and, and air conditioning units to be uh, plugged in and the rooms to be built because you've constantly got earthquakes going on, you never build those rooms. And that's, that's the interesting thing that seems, and that's been demonstrated in the research. We've covered that people who grow the best end up, in one particular study um, I'm thinking of right now, they have more satellite cells to begin with, and they have a more robust response in terms of the satellite cells. Hmm. So they just simply got better workers who are able to deal with um, that aspect of muscle growth. And, and you see so, it too. You see it in their lives like long before they get into bodybuilding. Those are the guys that... When you're 16 and you're in the locker room, they already have the cap delts and they're not really training that much. You know what I mean? They've already got the development. Sometimes. Yeah, well, Sometimes. okay, maybe not always, but you do. Yeah. Like, I, I, those are the guys that I picture when you say that, at least. You know what I mean? The guys who already had biceps when they were 14. There's, there's like, constitutive expression, like, where you are in the untrained state. Okay. So, so like, you see this, like like, an easier kind of example is an endurance athletes or endurance individuals mm. with, with, with good endurance and they have a high maximal oxygen consumption, the VO2 max. Okay. And some people are just like, they're always were good at, at running. They could always sort of outrun everyone, yeah. you know, or even sprinters. They're always good sprinters. And then when they train, they adapt really well. They're kind of set up for that. Yeah. But it's, but with like, um, just kind of talking about this yesterday, actually, Nick Walker, for instance, okay. posted a, like a, a, transformation Tuesday or whatever it is, whatever, whatever, you know, people, <laughs> whatever they call those days. And, but it was so, super impressive is one of his early shows and you see his, and he was on stage and he was in shape, but he doesn't look, he looks like he transformed his skeletal structure, which has obviously adapted to all the training things he's doing, but you would look at him and never expect that he could become what he is now as a bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, so he didn't have that appearance. Yeah. You wouldn't have ever guessed that. You would have thought, okay, this guy's got, you know, mediocre average genetics. And he's got amazing discipline, amazing drive. He, he dots every I, crosses every T. This guy lives, breathes, sweats, shits, bleeds bodybuilding. 
Yeah. Obviously. So there's this in no way was is diminishing his his work effort, but he has to have he also ha- I know guys who've done that as well and don't grow and don't look the way he he does. Yeah. So he's got at least some good genetic potential, but it wasn't so evident. Yeah, um, we've seen those guys for sure. Yeah, so so there's that. So it's hard to say. That's what's so interesting. Huh. So, but anyway, back to this frequency thing. So yeah. we know, like a lot of the best bodybuilders, they do the bro split or the the pro split. Sure, we talked about this before. That that seems to be explained the way I've my my theory on that is they have such a robust satellite cell response, which tends to last, I think, like five days, based on the single study that they've been able to find. Okay, um, if you look at Pack seven plus is a nuclear marker of of what's going on with those satellite cells when they're becoming nuclei. Um, that seems elastic, maybe five or six days. So you can train once every five or six days, and you set that process in motion. And that's that's good. If you if you if that process, if that's all you need is one training session. You let it run because then the satellite cells have done their magic. They're yeah. where they need to be. That's good. But maybe you're someone who isn't who does better with a higher frequency regime, as many people do, you're not as genetically gifted, you may need to like turn on those satellite cells more regularly more with frequently. a higher frequency regime. Which makes sense. And here's, and here's the trick, is getting enough of training in, which could just be one set, actually, but enough of a stimulus, but not too much. So let's say yes. you do two sets or three sets that are all out, like a DC training style type of thing. It's Rest pause sets are kind of hard to, hard to wage or gauge against straight <laughs> sets, but yeah. not everything's a rest pause set, obviously in DC, but um, you've turned on those processes. But if you, if you just double that, would more be better? No. Right. And you might even be able to reco- feel like you recovered from that centrally and hormonally. You, you just could go in there and do that. And I've done this for years, just done way too much. Oh, sorry. I had to bring a little a, guest on the show here. A little lover. She's, she was by my a feet. Little, little fluffy lover. We'll see how long she stays here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry, I told, dogs twisted. Totally I, like, I knew it was going to happen, but like she was yeah. at my feet for five minutes. So I was like, okay, she's coming on the show. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> sorry to detract. So, but if you do too much, then all, then all you, that's, that's, that's junk volume, basically. Yeah. And all it's doing is incurring energy demand that can take away from the growth process. Yeah. Hey, so, yeah. Tr- so, so back to sort of where we started with this. Um, one of the the last posts I didn't put, paste this in in for you, but he just sort of said he has the sense. It just sort of feels weird to him to train like um, I think he had his two day, the day one and day two of fortitude training like bunched together. It's so like Monday and Tuesday. So okay. he do loading lower one day and pump the very next day. That just didn't feel right to him. Yeah. Yeah. I could see why. Too. And, and I never, I really suggest people have at least a day between day one and day day two, just to, for the recovery reasons. Sure. But, but do, but doing that, yeah, you may have like, you maybe just shooting your own progress in the foot because you're starting, you've, you've set all those processes in motion and then you incur another damaging bout and drain glycogen, especially if it's pump sets. Yeah. So you you're basically use up a bunch of energy and like your workers are just starting to build out that new room and they're about to like plug in the air conditioner or the heater that that, that room needs. <laughs> yeah. And you have another earthquake. It's like, oh, fuck. You know, they were almost there. Yeah. Whereas someone who's got the genetic gifts to recover more rapidly, they've got better workers they are more efficient. They've got more of them and th- they could do that. They could get it with a higher, higher um, frequency regime or maybe even a higher volume. And just let the process run because they've got a great 
their workers. They just say, okay, guys, the, the, um, the, the foreman stops in, the contractor stops in and says, okay, do this this week, guys. I'll be back next Monday. Right. They just work on their, their independent workers. They go to town. Whereas the genetically stubborn, this is just a theory. It's not, it's definitely hardly anything black and white, especially in a soft science like exercise science, but they may need a contractor who's like, oh shit, you know, McNally may be stopping by to make sure we're still doing what we're supposed to do, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you keep them in order, yeah. keep them in line and, but you can't be, can't be too much. So you, you stop by and, you know, you just kind of like, you got, let's say you got a, like a remote earthquake simulating thing. So you just give them a little earthquake, you know, yeah. just a little one, <laughs> Yeah, you know, so keep them working. Like we got to keep building rooms. Like we need to have this. So we have shelter. Um, but if it's too much, then you disrupt, you could shoot yourself in the foot and disrupt the whole process. Sure. So, so it's totally okay for someone. I mean, the, the, if you look at the frequency literature, you know, two to three times is maybe where it's, it's hard to say, but there's, it's so variable. And, and I've got another important thought on this, which I've talked about before, but it's really important. It's so hard to say like what the best frequency is, but it seems like it's more than maybe one per week for the yeah. average person in those I, studies with newbies. And just in my experience, I feel like it's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Some people like to push pull legs is more than one times a week, one time a week. If you're doing like, you know, three on one off, two on one off or something like that, you know, you're getting close to two times a week. So two to three is the sweet spot. Um, maybe for the average person, but, but here's the thing in taking things from those studies. And this is why, one of the reasons why I think, um, you see so much variability across studies in terms of like what's best. It's because your ability to adapt to a given training regime is a function of how, exactly what you said earlier, how long you've been doing that regime. Mm. So I've seen this in a couple of studies. If you make a midpoint, like it say it's a 16 week study, the presumption is that we're going to do a before and after, and then we're going to, then that will give us a snapshot. Imagine, imagine the difference between um, taking a picture of someone when they're starting a set and a picture when they end the set, okay. versus a video of the whole set. Oh yeah, that's a very different to thing. Totally different type of information you get. So some people may be doing really well and growing really well um, with the stimulus applied for the first four or six weeks of a longer program and then they keep trying to do that and neurologically they're learning how to train harder especially if they're, they're newbies like it's often so they're creating a different type of stimulus um, and it, you're starting to accrue quote-unquote fatigue your recovery abilities are can be can start to wane as you go through and then sure. what happens the second half you may even be overtraining or, re, or regressing or making no progress so you have a great program in the right amount for the right duration of time that you throw out the you throw out and throw out the baby with the bathwater because your end end progress shows only what you accrued in the first four weeks yeah. or what have you in terms of muscle size. So some people could could keep on growing, some people could grow and then actually go go reverse reverse directions if they keep doing too much, and that's what smart auto regulation could fix for you. Hmm. So back to what you said about, you know, what you did before the program dictates what happens is absolutely even with the same training program, you could have an effective program yeah. in the right amount. You keep on giving using it and it's too much. Then you're just you're overreaching. 
You're not going to yeah. go anywhere. You know what I, I really think I, I appreciate now out of fortitude is uh, that there's, there's um, you almost have like um, with, with your pump sets, as you call them, or the pump rounds, the, the, the pump days. Pump sets, yeah. Uh, pump sets. Those those activities they don't allow you to push into like destroying your central nervous system as hard. It's a different, you know, it's a different type of stimulus. And the way you've built the muscle round, it, you you don't. And and I see it now. Uh, you know, the first time I tried to do a muscle round, it was on a really? V squat. Yeah. And so the concept for anybody who's watching and listening that doesn't know what a muscle round is, it would be. Is it six sets of four? With Looking a, for four with right. a with a ten second or excuse me, yeah, basically ten seconds or three breaths. Between. Five breaths is the number I use. Just okay, okay, so yeah. but about ten seconds, right? Yeah. So it's not yeah. as long as say like a rest pause. And the, I, no. the 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 big point that I missed was that you only fail one time. So four consistent reps without stopping. And then the the break, and then four consistent reps, and that if you if you do that and you follow it the way Scott has put it together, you don't have the opportunity to turn it into like a widow maker where you're using every last ounce of your entire psyche to push the weight. The muscle will yeah. fail first, and when the muscle fails, and you only let it fail one time, uh, you walk away from that set not destroyed. So you can get through a muscle round, really like tearing into the muscle, but not destroying your whole body in the process. So I like yeah. that because it's what what makes that nice is because when we say like high frequency three times a week, if you're just crushing it three times a week on a body part, I think that right. most people couldn't handle that. But it's also a different kind of stimulus, you know, like something I've been looking at more was after I looked at the avalanche plan that John has. It's a push pull legs, but the first round is push pull legs, heavier progressive. And then the next round is more of like a pump type exercise. Right. Uh, you, you, you yeah. don't have the opportunity to like kill yourself as hard. And I think that, I think that, that we need that. It was like a different type of stimulation than just yeah. heavy progressive overload. And a year ago I would have just said like heavy progressive overload is the key. And I still think it is, right. but there's more, you can get more there's still more to be gotten beyond just progressive overload. Isn't there? Yeah. Two, two thoughts. Funny that you said that. Cause that's the thing I, I said that I wasn't, the thing we talked about today, but that's in my last response on that thread, which, which you just touched on, but the magic of not doing, making a muscle round or a pump set into a set into a widow maker is that the reps are continuous. Yeah. So you were doing like super long, like, you know, I do a, you know, I do a rep, a guys. pause, a yeah. hero's pause, like hero's pause. Seconds, 12 seconds. Yeah. I'm going to go until I got nothing, you know, Yeah. and you can stand there and like waver with the weight and maybe get another. And those are the grinders that will just tear your nervous system down. Yeah. That's disallowed in fortitude training. Yeah. And it's actually kind of a distant, different kind of discipline. It was difficult for me when I, cause I was so used to doing Widowmakers and grinding yeah. out sets like that where. You know, you, you, you manage your fatigue as you come close to what would be the failure point of the set. And instead of failing at 10, you get 13 or instead of failing at 12, you get 20 because you're a Widowmaker. Yeah. Well, you can only get there's a there's a, you know, stimulus. Um, there's a, a, a benefit and there's a negative to that, you know. 
Yeah, those, yeah, those exactly. Reps are awesome, but but they but they tear into your nervous system. Do that so three times idea, a week. You know, you're gonna have problems on the same muscle even group. Just psychologically, knowing yeah. you have to go in there and do that. You know. Yeah. And that, that's why, like, it's like, okay, I did my heavy. I'm going to go through today. I'm going to do heavy upper. I'm looking to progress, beat the logbook. And then the pump sets, the way I've set them up, they could be, you know, people like to do it different ways. Um, but those wouldn't be progressively overloaded at all. Those would be literally go in, reconnect with the muscle, focus mm. on the pump, maintain continuous reps, do what you feel. You start, you start, pick up the weight and you do, you move the weight back and forth mm -hmm. to create metabolic stress in a pump just like yeah. you're backstage literally, but a really, you know, effortful one without pausing to try to crank out reps because the numbers don't matter. And I have those different techniques to do it. But so the interesting you said is, and this is what I can't remember exactly. I could go and look, but this is what was the se a second poster in that thread. I just responded to him. I think yesterday um, was, uh, and I said, you can reconfigure those things any way you like in terms of the frequency and volume. So instead of you put, do like a upper one day with the loading in the pump and then lower the next two days later, loading and pump. And if that for you means that, and this is just the, my general big picture, the big stones take, if that means that you become the best badass in the gym that you can, meaning your ability to do incredible things in the gym, your performance improves and you're eating enough to grow, then that's going to manifest in your growth. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that doing things like what Charles Glass does with people can't bring up weak muscle groups. Sure. Sure. With a mind muscle connection and a focus or doing what Dante calls getting funky with it, where you have to figure out how to do an exercise that puts your what you tend to neurologically activate as opposed to what you want to target during a muscle is put at a disadvantage. So you do an exercise for chest that doesn't allow you to use your delts or your triceps. You come up with, a you know, like I've got um, scoop flies, dumbbell scoop flies. People can find a video of that. If you've got healthy shoulders, that one will just destroy your chest and it's very, very unique. Scoop flies. Do, huh? Scoop flies. Yeah, there's a, there's a YouTube video people can watch. They'll, okay. they'll dig it. It's, it's a monster. Yeah, and it's it's very very cool, and it's very it's all pec oriented. And there's no triceps at all. Okay, nice. Um, somersault squats or Smith sissy hacks. Oh yeah, yeah. Those target the quads. You know, people think, oh, what's a quad isolation exercise? Let's do knee extensions, or maybe sissies. You know, you can do sissy squats like a hack squat. Yeah. Well, those are two other options that people can use that are that are totally new and different. And chest the and here's the thing, and this is why what you said, Scott, was genius. Really, those are the at least. Well, I guess I'm, I'm saying that because I agree with it. <laughs> so, but it was insightful, maybe in a way like you weren't you weren't like weren't even really sure of. At least the way I'm I'm sort of seeing is that progressive overload is novelty of stimulus. Yeah. So, when you go from one training system, Mountain Dog to DC or the or vice versa, it's a novel stimulus. It's still weight training, of course, but it's something different. Both of those are hypertrophic stimuli, train hypertrophic training regimes. But it's novelty. So progressive overload is novelty of stimulus. Absolutely. You got more reps with more weight or both. That's the key right there. Absolutely. Yeah. And a new exercise is novelty of stimulus. That's why a new exercise will make you sore when old exercises didn't. And a new training system that will, will make you sore in the right amount, novelty in the right amount. Yeah. Like you go and say, okay, today I'm going to go from DC 
and I'm going to do 100 rep sets on everything for, for 10 of them. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's just stupid. That's not, that's, not a smart, that's not a smart jump to make. But going from a lower rep to a higher rep regime makes sense. Yeah. So I tried to like kind of optimize that in a certain way with fortitude training and having, uh, having all set types that were all across all higher and lower rep ranges within the, yes. you know, the reasonable boundaries of not being too light and, of course, not going too heavy where you're really not getting much of a growth stimulus because the volume of the set is so low. It's just too dangerous. You know, Nate Spear said something on um, Blood, Sweat, and Gear the other week that I, I thought was just such an important statement, and I really tried to bring attention to it, but he he he's a guy who trains really intense, you know, very heavy, yeah. very heavy, mm-hmm. very progressive with his training. And, uh, you know, kind of to the point that we're talking about here, he brought in more volume in the past year. You know, he changed his physique. Mm-hmm. Really, he did some great things with his development. Mm-hmm. For a guy who already was quite advanced, he was able to bring his legs up even more this year. And he said, you know, as, as much as I feel like I am a really intense guy, you know, how many of us really are training truly as intense as Dorian did? And he said, maybe I yeah. did have a little bit more room. And he felt that to get that, that extra bit that he needed, he added in more volume. So he yeah. pushed, you know, he, and, and that in itself was a new stimulus, right? That he added in Absolutely. different, different rep ranges, more sets, stuff like that. And I, I think that's so important, man. I, I would say in the last couple of years with my under, with me having come to really understood what progressive overload is and have really latched on to, you know, we've talked a lot, especially in this program about yeah. like Mike Mentzer and about DC, about hit, uh, about just yeah. high intensity techniques. If there's any disservice in that, it's that I think there are some guys, a lot of guys that have followed this. A lot of guys that are doing the top set back set mentality of training that aren't quite getting enough now out of their training because mm. they're not able to push to the level that it really takes to get everything out of that muscle and that they yeah. could be serviced by a little bit more volume than they're doing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you can make up for lack of quality, so to speak with quantity to some degree, without a doubt. Take some humility to recognize that though. Right. Yeah. To be like, Hey, even though yeah. I just destroyed it on this, maybe I could have, maybe there was a little bit more that I'm not even aware of, you know? You know, the interesting thing too, and I'll just like pull from my, like my recent experience this year was, um, so I've, I've had many off seasons and many pre-contest periods, you know, over the past 20, 25 years of, of doing that. And so I know what I have to do, for instance, how things have to be different to be able to recover and hang in there and still train hard when I'm four weeks out, you know, and running on fumes, et cetera. So I've picked up some techniques for um, making, maximizing my recovery and every, everything from just, um, in that case, there's no food, you know, because mm. it's what you have to, you have to, have to pay attention, make sure your sleep is good. I, I will try to sleep in as late as I can. Yes. Maybe the last sleep cycle is the most important one. For instance, okay. um, being dead on with my intra-workout nutrition, there's a bunch of things. But I kind of I took some of those lessons, and when we did Derek and I did mountain dog training this last year, and uh, I knew that was too much for me. Um, 
I knew that the volume was too high because I knew how hard we were going to train. Yeah. I knew how much fun we were going to have. And I knew that I was going to have to do everything I possibly could to recover. And that's when the cereal gains thing started, actually. Okay. Because yeah. I knew I had to put a whole box of cereal in for sure. Yeah. And Like and when I Oscar was trying to keep up with Kai. You remember those days? Yeah. Oscar was trying to keep up with Kai, and he he got a little beat up in the process, I think, too. Uh, yeah. It happened to me, like, years ago when I first trained with Dave Henry. <laughs> yeah. Because when we first, when we very first started training... Dave had just gotten his pro card. Okay. And um, we had met in the gym, and he's the pro. So, you know, we're trained with him. He was doing, yeah. let's see what he's doing, you know? Yeah. And I was like, this is just cool. And I think I've told this story before, but oh, That's yeah. So one. Dave was stronger than me. And eventually, I, you know, I caught up to where I could beat him by a little bit on legs almost most of the time. He would always beat me on chest. There was only one time after he was recovering from a hernia surgery, I beat him on one day. Hey, but you, you got him. You got him one that day. day. One. <laughs> yeah, and that's because he like left like eight reps in reserve, just trying not to blow out. You know, his surgical repair. I don't care about that part. But, um, I just care you beat. Yeah, him. yeah, but I got him <laughs> back. We we're pretty close, but at, at that point we weren't. Okay. And so he would do a set, you know, 12, 15 reps and maybe have, cause we were planning on doing 15, 20 sets and he'd have three or four reps in reserve, you know, cause that's, cause he was, you know, pacing himself. He was, he was, his intensity and volume were balanced so that he could recover from that. And he was yeah. just stronger than me, period. But I could match those reps <laughs> if I did a Widowmaker every time, <laughs> which I did. Yeah, you did. Of course <laughs> which you did. I paid for. Yeah, which I fucking paid for. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I'm just, I was just, there's just too much fun. It's like, ah, there's a golden chalice. I could beat him on this rep if, on this set if I do that. So if he went first, man, and and of course I would try to like proactively beat him. Yeah. You know, if I ever went first, and I was an absolute wreck. Yeah. My whole, <laughs> my, like literally, I had like we'd finish a workout and my whole body would just ache, almost to the point I, I was almost like just the cheers would just from the pain itself. Yeah. Would just start coming flowing down. It was yeah. just total full body inflammation everywhere. Dude, when I trained with Shelby, it mm-hmm. three hour back days, I would leave yeah. that feeling like I had the flu. Like my face yeah. my I, I would have like a like a I, I think it was like an autoimmune response where like my skin would yeah. get really cold. Even though public not autoimmune, but definitely immune yeah, immune, yeah immune something something you know i'd get really cold and i would lose my appetite for like three hours and i'd feel like i was like i had the flu basically feel like Mm -hmm. i best way i could describe it is it felt like the way you feel after you get in a car accident every wednesday back day right i don't know i don't know why i didn't grow the way i wanted to yeah no shit right right yeah so anyway but it's it's the novelty of stimulus yeah yeah that really that really matters here and you can do that in so many different different ways. So you can take someone, and this is what I said. I'm remembering now what I what I posted in that thread is that you can, um, you know, you can have situations where you bring up a weak muscle group that hasn't been responding from progressive overload by using d- different kind of what people think are gimmicky exercises. They're not your bread and butter exercises. Yeah. You probably want to keep those in, and the exercises that don't necessarily lend themselves to progressive overload. And here's Here's a very simplified reason for why the progressive overload might seem like it's failing us to some degree. So let's say, just keep the example, the simple 
same one. So let's say it's chest. You should have a hard time. Chest isn't the prime mover on most pressing or chest movements, traditional chest movements for you, because you tend to activate with your delts and your triceps. Okay. That's just the way you're biomechanically inclined, neurologically inclined. Um, you're just wired up that way. So when you would indeed get more reps or use a heavier weight for most of your exercises, that is primarily going to be a function of a, what you could consider a poor mind-muscle connection or just a natural tendency to activate those other muscles. Um, so you're basically getting a training overload in the muscles that look really big and great because those are the strong ones that you tend to naturally activate. Yeah. So what you have to do then is just throw, throw away the idea of getting more reps because what you're getting more reps with a given weight with or more weight is you're, you're, you're tossing out the mind-muscle connection. This goes back to, we've talked about this previously in the podcast. So you have to literally, in order to, to prevent yourself from defeating your own purpose, stop log-looking stuff. Do pump sets. This huh. is one reason why I have them in there. Do a pump-style set where your only intention is, imagine you're going on stage and all my delts are already oversized compared to my, my chest. I don't want a delt pump. I want only a chest pump. So huh. I do my push-ups. I'm not like trying to do 100. I could do 150 push-ups straight in a row, let's say. Someone could. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to do these push-ups in a way that only allows me to get 20 of them because I'm going to not use my triceps as much as possible, no no delts. And then and then it's – so 20 obviously pales in comparison to 150 in terms of performance of what is a push-up. Yeah. But the purpose is to provide the stimulus that you're looking for. So in order to make sure you do that and you keep yourself to what your intention is, you have to throw away the, the, the progressive overload hmm. and do something. That, and that's and it's going to be totally novel, too. That's the thing. One of the reasons why there's various theories as to what causes muscle soreness. But one of them is that if there's a neurological like skill learning phenomenon underlying what happens between the first time you do a movement, and you get really sore and the next time you do it and you don't get so sore. I think there's some EMG data suggesting a change in activation. Um, I don't know how well this has been explored, but that's one of the pr primary um, suggestions. So it's basically the first time you pick up a wake or do an exercise, you, you know, you're shaking and like, you know, you're uncoordinated and the bar path is just all over the place. And then when you get really good at movements, things are, look much more smooth and you're very coordinated. So there's something going on there, which means you have a different type of activation pattern that's less damaging the second time around. At least that's mm -hmm. one of the theories. So, so the novelty of stimulus is a function of the activation pattern. So now imagine you go from your, your pressing movements, which you've honed over years to be basically a delt and tricep movement with the chest kind of hanging in there. Right. Because you're not naturally pressing with your pecs as, a, as the prime mover, at least the way you want. And maybe you can't to um, an exercise that feels really weird because you're you're disallowing any advantage to come in what normally would be when you're doing some sort of a chest movement. So you're doing this this chest movement and your delts are out of the picture, your triceps are out of the picture, and it feels really awkward, but you have to have a mind-muscle connection. You basically are going to have that activation pattern of the of the of someone who's just doing something for the first time, which sure. is going to be a stimulating one and potentially a damaging one. So you're basically trying to um, work around your, the nervous system efficiencies, which you've accumulated through acquiring skills, and they were probably just built in 
with to match your biomechanics, maybe even your fiber types, the relative size of those muscles that you know that you developed having over the course of you know growing up to get to the point where you started training. Yeah. So. So yeah, you want novelty, and that's progressive overloads. Novelty, new exercises are novelty. Change in program is novelty. Um, you know, so no- novelty is the name of the game because if this, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you keep getting what you've been getting. As that is Ronnie so said. true. That is so yeah. true, isn't it? So do something new if you want to get something new. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Ronnie, well, Ronnie basically told us what we need to do. You know. What do you say? So I, I don't think we really have enough time, Scott, to talk about uh, pumps. Or excuse me, about squeezing. I wanted to ask oh, you. Okay. That, that was a topic I wanted to get into today. I don't, I don't think we really have enough time for that. Is there anything else you wanted to make sure we covered on this topic before we moved on, though? Um, no, I'll just I'll just say the kind of the way, main things like stepping back. Like, what do you do with what we just rambled about or what I just rambled about? Um is if you try a new program because you're not getting where you're going with the one you're on, yeah. then do do it as written and see how that works for you. But also don't be afraid to adjust and auto-regulate to suit what, what you know is to be your um, something that matches your recovery levels. So, um, but I think it makes sense to like follow it as written at first yes. for a while. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you can be surprised. Sometimes it can be like with like with Nate. Nate's you know Nate Nate's like I gotta I, if I keep doing what I've been doing I'll keep getting what I've been getting. So he's like I'm gonna try more, yeah. and he figured out a way to recover from that. Obviously, yeah. He probably was had his in his mind you know if I tr- do more then I'm not gonna recover and I'm gonna I'm gonna backslide. Mm. But he put you know his his nose to the grindstone and did more volume trained with more volume and then he figured out a way to recover with everything else he did and it paid off. So, yeah, Yeah, I think, I think one thing that is important, like you said, to, to follow a plan as it's written, I think that you, you have to have, like, you can't, you can't, um, you can't discover like, and I'll tell you like with my perspective, having gone to art school and focused on art for a long time, you really have to get the rules down first. Like you have to understand yeah. the rules and follow them in, in order to learn how to break them. Right. To learn know? when you should break them. Right. Yeah. When, it, when it's time. Okay. Now it's time to go outside. Yeah, we, I had, um, yeah, like there's some more, there's some more on that too. It's, it's interesting. Um, but you could try a program. You're like, you know, this is just too much. It's not right. Or, and then st- like maybe Nate was thinking of higher volume that way. And then you just say, well, hold on. This was written for a way reason. This maybe it's not that the program's too much. It's that I'm, I'm shitty at configuring a life that will allow me to recover the way I should. Ah, yeah. You know, maybe I need to train at a different time of day, or maybe I need to up my caloric intake, or maybe I need to pay, stop futzing around on the computer at night and get better rest or mm. number of things. So you may, you may find like literally, and, and I've done this in various ways, I, I'm kind of a fan of this approach, is that when you sort of push past what you think you can do, you figure out actually what you're capable of. And it's like, yeah. so you try too much training volume, like, oh, this is going to be too much, but it's like. You really do. I, I promise myself I can stick, I'm going to stick this out for the 16 weeks of this program. What can I do to ensure that? And that's what I did with Derek. I'm like, what, what can I do to ensure that I can keep training with him? 
And I'm like, well, I got to fucking eat a lot of cereal. I know that. So, you know, that's where that, I need, I knew I need to eat enough yeah. and various other things. So you can learn um, by going in and doing something which you may balk at. And I have seen this so often. This is what, you know, people, when they want to change things, this is what's going on, I think, a lot of times in their head. And another example of this, and this was, this was a, um, a phone or a long distance consult from a while back now, but this person, um, trying to figure out why he wasn't making progress. Yeah. And, uh, he was certain that he needed certain exercises, certain, uh, he needed hammer strength for whatever reason. Hammer strength is okay. great, but he, he was, so he'd having problem. It got to the point where if I'm remembering this correctly, he was, and it's just the point that matters, but he was tr- taking extra time traveling to a gym that made it such that sometimes he couldn't get there because he had to work later, what have you, yeah. because he wanted hammer strength. When he had a gym, he could be going to another gym with a different line of equipment uh. and just training on that. And he would have, he, he was literally for the fact that he was, was latched on the side that he has to use hammer strength. Yeah. He was missing workouts. Wow. And yeah. shooting himself in the foot. And it's like, it's like, dude, you have a great gym here that, that just doesn't have to, as they have body masters or flex or, Maybe I don't think it was Arsenal. He probably would have liked Arsenal, but he's like, I got to have the hammer strength. Yeah. And it's like, no, you got to train. Yeah. That's first, yeah. First things first, train, you know, and yeah. you'll figure out. So then he would have. And the thing is, the way I'm recalling this now, too, is that um, that would have behooved him in terms of developing a better mind muscle connection. Sure. Learning how to, you know, make do with those machines. Sure. You know, or with just free weights. Yeah. So anyway, that, um, that's a little, that's my kind of summary is um, what to do with that little we passage. Had, we had some cool comments here. Uh, Nick Weary had said, uh, we all yeah. think that we're pushing it to the very fucking limit until we unlock a new one. That is yep. so true, man. And we caught George at the perfect time. He just finished up his training and uh, he was doing the wind down on the bike after. So glad he can hang with us right over there in the UK. Um, George. I don't know how we would answer this one. Matt, Matt Blevins says, um, how often should we switch to a new novelty? So that's a huge, as far as programs go, get, run them, run them into the ground if you possibly can, as I, I think from, from most people. Um, that's sort of a first rule of thumb because many people are going to just want to, they're going to want a program hop. So avoid the program oh, hopping. Yeah. I think I addressed this in my book. It's hard to tell. I can't remember what I wrote in there. It's kind of everything that I, every thought I have is in there pretty much. But, and then my other thought on it is if you happen to know when you do a program that works, let's say like, like that research example, that eight weeks on a given program gets you most of what you get and the extra eight weeks don't do you any good. Well then use that to your advantage. Um, It's just like DC training. If you, if you're plateauing on, uh, with a load and weight, you've, you've got an exercise in your rotation, and this is this is how you do loading sets and fortitude training. It's the same thing. It's basic, you know, progressive overload rotating through exercise. And you're not making any progress, and you stall out for let's say two workouts. Give it a third workout. If you don't make progress, it's time to change the exercise. Find some novelty. Yeah. So it's a, it's a matter of um, being honest, and that's why the that's that's why the logbook's so good. The logbook's honest with you. Yeah. It's like the weight, you know. It's like the um, oh, I'm blanking on the the, rock, the rockers. 
Rollins? Yeah, yeah, Rollins quote, you know, the weight never lies. 200 pounds is always 200 pounds. 200 pounds, yeah. And the logbook's telling you what you did. Yeah. And otherwise, you got to be honest honest with yourself, too. Like, am I, do I have a psychological attachment to this way of training? It's such that I don't want to try something new. Yeah. So am I hanging in there, pounding away, doing what I've been doing and getting nothing out of it, or what I've been getting, which is nothing, um, and do is it time for me to try something new or on the other end am i constantly trying new things and program hopping and rotating the exercises when what i need to do is buckle down and just become a friggin' beast on the on the big movers yeah which yeah i i think really i mean and and this is you know gotta give dante credit for for perpetuating this idea and spreading making this so so well known is if you just took someone and gave them just, you know, give them three years or five years and you're like, let's make you into a 600 pound deadlifter and a 500 pound squatter. And you can, you know, bench three or incline press 315. You're going to be a big dude. This is so you know? true. Yeah. And if all that, you, if that's all you cared about, you trained as a bodybuilder, but you kept those basics in there and you got that strong, which most people could. I mean, someone's 411, they're not going to be that big, you know. Um, you may need more if you're a bigger dude, but you're gonna if you get brutally strong, you're and you eat to gain, and you're training as a body, but you're gonna get brutally big. Yeah. You may not look like you know Phil Heath, but you're gonna ha- there's some relationship between all of that. Yeah, you'll so, be your best you. Are you are you looking to you know strategically you know clust together microcycles of varying reps in reserve on exercises, blah blah blah. Like if you overcomplicated shit to the point where you're missing the big picture and that's to become a badass in the gym. Yeah. So you look like you can do what you do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, that's kind of where it comes, what it comes down. I mean, really bodybuilding is about looking overly impressive and there's going to, there's going to be something behind it. Even, even if you look at the guys that are just genetically gifted, this is the interesting thing. Don't log shit. Um, look at like how many, like, how many amazing pro bodybuilders have you seen? I'm like, they're all like flashing through my head who are on an incline press, pressing 405. Yeah. How many pros? I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, Not all, Luke yeah. Sando and, and Ronnie Coleman and Dennis James and like you just, you know, James Hollingshead and like just yeah. go through so many guys that, and some of those guys have used progressive overloaded logbook things. Right. But some of them just like, you know, I don't know that Dennis James ever logbooked anything. Yeah, I don't know either. You know? He just just trained like a madman and just got st- so that the, the other side of progressive overload is that your adaptation to the to the stimulus means you get stronger. That's the fun part. Yeah. You come to the gym because what you did made you better. Yeah. And then it manifests in your performance. And for someone who's genetically gifted, they don't have to steer the stimulus with logbooking or you know, counting reps in reserve or whatever, they just go in there and they just apply it with a broad stroke and the, the other side of the progressive overload coin manifests and they make gains, but they're still making gains. They're still getting bigger and stronger. So they still end up in most cases, there's people that pros that people say, oh, they're not that, you know, they're kind of wimped out in the gym. You know, they weren't, they never, never very impressive, but even them are they're even they're even they, those guys are pretty strong. Yeah. So, you just may have to be, if you're not the genetically gifted person, recognize the big pictures that you've got to, you got to move the big weights for, for big reps one way or the other, to some degree, relative to what you're capable of. 
no one should go and try to bench press for incline press 405 today if they're not doing something close to that in fact that's probably not a good idea for anyone just as a general suggestion but looks like we're getting comments i'm seeing you we're getting a few but i was gonna yeah. switch gears here uh we okay. had uh we had a um a listener viewer uh he asked us to do a physique critique and he specifically asked if you would do it scott you've been doing a few of them off and on uh over at blood sweat and gear and uh let me see here i'm just grabbing his pictures together this is from brandon and uh let me just kind of read his message here he says uh 26 years old he's 6'3 he's 206 pounds he did bodybuilding style workouts starting in high school uh, with his dad since John Meadows inspired him to have a passion for bodybuilding years ago. Yeah, I guess John got his dad into training. He says uh, yeah. he's down there in Ohio. He says, built a decent physique until almost two years ago. I let myself go and I got really fat. Uh, then this past year, I've gone into bodybuilding and gotten myself back on track with the help of of the knowledge you, Dr. Scott, and the other awesome co-host at the shows um, have put out, but especially Christmas Cabbage. So he's uh, he's right. a fan of listening hey. to drugs and stuff. So Everyone he, pales comparison. <laughs> he says, uh, I currently work a manual job uh, for 10-hour days a week and train uh, an hour daily with two days off per week. Uh, started TRT a year and a half ago, and this past summer began trying out different compounds in small mini blasts to see how I react to them before uh, using them in a contest prep setting. Says so he's currently uh, one month into my growth phase, and I'd like to do my first competition a year from now if possible, but I know I need to put on a lot of muscle. Would love to hear you guys' thoughts and advice going forward. Not sure what division to compete in either. Uh, probably classic physique or men's physique for the first show. But since I'm most likely, uh, since I most likely won't have enough mass for the open class, appreciate any feedback. And I can't wait for Christmas to receive Dr. Scott's book from my girlfriend to really Aww. get into my bodybuilding journey. So he's got a he's got so he has some. This is not necessarily his physique critique picture, but he shows us his progress. I'm going to put that one up first. This is as he, he got back into it. Uh, so he's made a lot of he made a lot wow, of fat 50, loss progress yeah. there, huh? It's a lot of weight, man. Fifty nine pounds. So he's lost a lot of fat, which is you know I'd say first of all he's gotten himself into a great position to now grow muscle, right? Yeah. You know, having gotten six, six, all that three. fat off. Yep, six three, yeah. two hundred and six yeah. pounds. Right. Here is a front shot where he stands currently. And um, let's see. I'm going to see if he's got a back shot here. He's got a back shot here. I wonder if I can just drag this straight in. Looks like I can. So here's a couple shots of him where he stands at this moment. Okay. So he was wanting sort of like a general physique critique. Yeah, pretty much. He's looking for any kind of pointers we can give him based off of what we're seeing here he's got he's he's got good balance i mean there's you know everyone can use more of everything basically true you know there's almost you can almost like even you know tom platt's you know legs were 
it was he out of balance? I don't know. It looked fucking yeah. awesome. You know? <laughs> right. So, but he's actually really, really well balanced. I have the sense he's got really good back width. Hmm. Um, and it's hard to tell he hasn't, uh, he hasn't shaved his back, but he looks like he could use some, some thickness there. Hmm. Um, you can see his erectors look big, but there's, there's just sort of a, almost a hollowed out, um, area. And maybe it's just the way he's posing and the way his scapula are lying against his rib cage. But, um, it actually looks like he may have some scoliosis, to be honest. Hmm. Really? See how he, he, I mean, this is. This is not a diagnosis, but he may be able to confirm. I don't know if he's watching, listening now, but look in the in the picture where he's facing the rear, right, facing yeah. the door. Um, he looks like he's taller in that one too. By the way, look where his head is relative to the door. Oh yeah, it's a slightly different <laughs> angle. Yeah, got, something. You know what? He know. sent another. Uh, he sent a few pictures. Here's a, just another well, variation. Before, before of you remove that one, that's well, the one I can see this on. I wanted to see, I wanted to throw this one up for you too, since it was just a different variation of the back. And I didn't yeah. know if maybe that would give you any more insight into what you were already looking at. Yeah. Well, he looks, it looks like you see, if you look at uh, uh, what is, you can sort of see his spine between his, um, his paraspinal musculature. Mm -hmm. And now you can't see uh, the bigger picture was better oh. to see this. But there's a kind of a curve to the left. Okay. Um, six concave to the left. Okay. And the traps a little uneven. Okay. So he may not be able to be, I'm just like, he may not be able to do some of the, you know, deadlifting, rack dead, bent over row types of things. Maybe I'm totally off, but he's doing, doing manual labor. So who knows? That could be a function of being a righty and he's doing all sorts of stuff with his right, right side. But he's really well balanced. Um, and I think it looks like anterior delts actually could use a little bit, a little bit more. Okay. Um, just filling in the upper chest. This is just the stuff that everybody, you know, is missing. This is basic, like everyone. Um, legs are a strong point, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, especially for someone that you know his thighs. Yeah, um, even from the back. A lot of times, if guys can build his legs, it's like the hamstrings don't come. But his his hamstrings actually seem to have some density. Like from behind, his legs look wide. Yeah, they do. Um, I agree. It's hard to tell. He's got a little blurriness. Maybe someone that wasn't a timer camera. It looks like in the in the front shot. I'm trying to look at his calves. Can't quite tell how his calf, how developed his calves are. Let's see if I can. Um, bring see how it's blurred there. Bigger. Like someone. Maybe that's just all shadows. Okay. I think yeah, there's so some shadows. Calves there. up a little bit. Yeah, it's shadows. I couldn't tell if it was a shakiness or shadows. Okay. Um, that's probably a flash plus a light gave him a double shadow effect. Yeah. But. He's got a nice taper. He's got good width. I think he's got broad, broad, so he's got a good skeletal structure. I think he just needs more of everything everywhere, you know? Yeah, I, I would totally agree, man. I mean, he's it's a great start, you know? And having lost mm -hmm. all that fat, he's going to be in a much better position to grow muscle. I think yeah. that it, if he spends, and he said he wants to compete in a year. I mean, realistically, even if you're pushing things to the extreme and you've got your diet nailed down and everything, you know, I mean, he said he trained in for a lot of his life, though. So and if he hasn't trained mm -hmm. for a couple of years, he might come back fast, like he might grow quickly. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's no matter what, it's going to take time, especially in a taller guy who's going to need to fill, fill out a lot of muscle. I feel like it, mm -hmm. it'll take him some time. I, but I agree with you, man. He's got like a good overall balance. It's just more of I'd say the keys are for all of us are always going to be chest, back and legs. 
you know, with the heavy compound movements. If you can get a lot yeah. of rows in there, a lot of heavy chest presses, a lot of, you know, squat type movements, those those things are all going to keep growing. And with that, his shoulders seem like they're pretty strong already. Like they seem like. Yeah, it's got good roundness. Yeah. Yeah. I can see yeah. it just keep keep coming up from there, man. So the, 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 the issue he has now is, and this is maybe why he's wanted to ask this question, is now he's, now he's what does he do now? Uh, yeah. He just dropped 59 pounds. And he wants to compete in a year. Does he grow, or does he keep on leaning out, or is he is he sort of repartitioning right now as he goes along? Hmm. If he's so, I would so the next the next step. I think this is maybe what he's wanting, um, or this is what I would be sort of focusing on if he came to me as a client is look at his training history. Like, is he making progress in the gym still, which suggests he's gaining uh. muscle mass because he knows how to lift. He lifted for his entire life, so he's you know that came back pretty fast. Yeah. Literally remembering how to move. So if he's still progressing in the gym, um, that's a good sign. Uh, and see, I'll see. I want to know what his diet's like and how hard it was to drop this fat. Ah. So like, did he get to here and he's like, you know, living on thirteen hundred calories a day and doing, you know, um, protein and veggie days and that kind of stuff, or is he still at two and a half thousand calories? Yeah. So um, kind of want to know where he's where he's at. Uh, I tell you what, like, like literally, it, kind of dep- it depends on what level he's at and how long, how hard he wants to push things. The other thing I, we don't know too. So these are all like, you can learn so much from the past. In that year, in all those years of lifting, I guess he was natural. I don't know, but so now he's on TRT and he's adding in things one at a time, which is a really good approach to see how he reacts to each of them. Yeah. Um, so how much is is he getting from that? Did he go for you know six months and then? He added those in and all of a sudden results were like three times as fast or like, wow, this is just crazy. Or is mm. it like, okay, that seemed like it helped a little bit, you know, and I see I'm, you know, my fat loss was maybe a little enhanced and I got a, you know, boost of strength in the gym, but it wasn't like, oh shit, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Captain America now or something like that. Yeah. So, um, that kind of was going to determine where he wants to go. So let's say, um, without hearing back from him, let's say he's like, I want to be an IFBB pro bodybuilder. So right now he doesn't have that muscle mass, but that's a totally different mindset in terms of what he may want to do and what he may be willing to do and where he wants to go. It's like, now I'm going to figure out how these compounds work for me. And then I'm going to, you know, push the limits and I'm at six, three, he's going to have to get the 300 pounds, hmm. you know, to be a pro <laughs> that's a yeah. hundred pounds above where he is, yeah, you know, that's a lot. but on the other end of the spectrum, he can get on stage and cause he's got good, I think he's, he's being tall is tough. Um, but he's got, it depends on if he just wants to like bring a really solid, well, def- like ripped shredded physique to the stage and just like, like just kick some ass, not necessarily yeah. beat anyone that, you know, has better structure than him or genetics, but just like kick some major ass. He could, you know, spend the next six months to try to get himself up to two twenty five and then die down you know, back to around 200 and be shredded. Yeah. Yeah. Just fucking diced. I'll tell you what, even if a guy's not big, yeah. Even if a guy's not big on stage, if he comes in absolutely peeled, he'll still get respect, you know? Yeah. So, you know, in classic, it's got kind of the classic shorts on there In classic. I don't know what the six, three limit is. He's he'll, he'll have tons of room. He'll have tons of room. Cause I I know guys I work with at like five ten. 
their cutoff is around 200 pounds. So, yeah, you know, he'll, he'll easily be 225 easy. Yeah. So I think it's time, you know, now if he's solid that he, he, he gained that way because just kind of let himself go and who knows what life circumstance, but he's not someone who's, I think phobic, fat phobic. Yeah. So he could maybe reverse gears and the thing to kind of know where to go. Um, and I just was uh, interacting with someone about this the other day. There's, it's, it's in my book kind of as a, um, it's actually, I think it's really, really helpful is figure out how much fat mass he has and how much fat free mass he has. It's going to have to be 4% on stage. So let's say he's, let's say he's 10% right now. Okay. So, and he's 206. So that's roughly 20 pounds of fat, maybe 21 pounds of fat. So he's got um, 197 pounds of fat-free mass or 187 pounds of fat-free mass. That sounds right. Yeah. So, yeah, if he dieted down right now, he might be um, at 4%. You know, he'd be in the middle 190s, something like that, or or one, low 190s probably. Assuming he I didn't think. lose any additional yeah. glycogen stores and size yeah. in the process, yeah. you know. So um that that is where he is and if he if he thinks you know i think i need another 10 pounds of, of stage weight then he's going to probably have to gain twice that in body weight roughly kind of depends on what happens and how he responds <laughs> to everything. yeah you yeah. know you never know what how many levers he presses um so to speak and how he responds to those but so he may, you know, do that now, and then he may have to move back up weight-wise and try to get those. If he wants ten pounds, then that might take another year, yeah, and then diet down the next year. If yeah. he just like getting lean and looking good, and like it's if he it, once you strip once you strip off like that, go from you know ten, eleven, twelve percent body fat to four percent, you can look so different. Oh, for sure, man. especially in person. So that may be where he wants to go. Yeah. But you're right. He's got a good, is it a great, great spot? It kind of depends on, he doesn't know what division he'd fit into. Well, what's your first show? Just do them all. <laughs> do all the ones you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you don't have to decide the, now either, too. You know, get, get, no. grow, get as much. Obviously, whatever he decides, it, he still should try, of course, to grow as much muscle as possible because he's going to need it is more size for any of them, right? So, yeah. you know, and you can make that decision as you get closer. Hell, you can. You can really make that decision the day of the show if you needed to. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't need yeah, to have that. You. you can pay for the show and decide last minute. Hey, I decided I wanted to do men's physique instead of classic. Well, at the you know? yeah, yeah, at the yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. They want to pose. Yeah, you know, of course, not, of course. He will have his posing down, so it's like, oh shit, what are the poses in classic again? <laughs> you know? Or like, because men's physique is totally different. But um, but yeah, so it's, I mean, like another sort of lens to view this all through is if he's natural, then like let's just say he were natural in this position, just one end of the spectrum. He's got a totally different scenario. If he goes another year, you know, he's been training for his whole life. He's not, he's not getting newbie gains anymore. Yeah. You know, he might be able to come on stage, you know, with another two or four pounds of muscle, something like that. Yeah. Now at the other end of the spectrum, if he's been natural now, and he's wants to just like test things out now for a while and then like, you know, crank it out full blown, full mm -hmm. blast. And he responds well, then he could transform himself, you know, in a way that is which would put him in a totally different at a totally different level of competition. Yeah. Potentially. We don't know this. You don't know how well he responds. True. Um, so 
the trajectories are are manifold, so to speak. You could be going all sorts of different ways, depending on where along that you know natty to you know full blown um, spectrum he wants to wants to be. So yeah, I, I think one thing I'll throw in there, just and I know this may not be something you would say, so I'm going to say it is right. that gear wise, uh, you know, he said he's been kind of lightly experimenting with like a little bit mini kind of uh, growth phases with the gear, little tiny bit here, a little tiny bit there, just kind of dipping his toes, it sounds like, so that when he gets to his prep, he can understand how he responds to compounds. I think that's a great idea. At the same yeah. time, you got time to grow. And I do feel like really committing to an off-season cycle, like not just dipping your toes, but like actually running like, hey, getting to like, you know, off-season contest or off-season cycle, like there's going to be like, if I've seen people who are like, Hey, I'm just taking a little bit of D ball for a short period of time. I don't know how effective that is compared to like running a real dose for six weeks kind of thing. It depends on the person. It does, you know, like it does, but I'm going to speak just like, and I'm kind of speaking in general, I would say on average, the average person, you know, would do, would do well with an actual cycle for a good 10, 12 weeks, like committing to like a test cycle of whatever it is, 400 milligrams, 500 milligrams, Yeah, you know? And of course that I'm making that number up, but I would say on average, a guy who wants to start cycling, if he ran 500 milligrams of test for 10 weeks is going to make some incredible gains. You know, obviously there's more to it than just that estrogen control and nutrition and the training, all that stuff. But, I think that if you just kind of are dipping your toes a little bit here and there and seeing how you respond, you may not get as much out of your off season as if you were to like give it a little gusto for a period of time. And then before you got to that dieting phase, I don't know, just a thought. Yeah, there, there's, no, I mean, there's no, here's the thing. There's no doubt that, you know, where he is now, he would get more out of going to two grams a week than if you went to one gram a week, you know, <laughs> sure. I mean, it's just like, sure. I mean, at this point, I think, I mean, you can only grow so fast, but over the course of a year, I think there's more is gonna, like with some limits, of course, but a, 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 a gram versus a half a gram, let's say. Yeah. Um, so it all depends on like, does he want, does he want to be able to, after like the show be fully recovered and, and be certain that he is, because that's always an unknown. Well, he's so on TRT will, now. So, so he's so okay. I didn't know if people say that. I don't even. Um, I don't even assume that it's that's that it's prescription. You know, <laughs> yeah. Anymore. What I do, I just assume they're committed for a lifelong, you know, lifestyle. Okay. Of now they're on test. So okay. yeah, he said yeah. last year and a half he's been on TRT. So okay, you know, little so, young for TRT, but hey, you know, it's I, yeah. That's I there's a lot know, of variables you know, you in know. there, I guess. Yeah, it's just so. Um, because the thing you remember the podcast we did with Casey way back when, of course, um, where he talked about the Russian guy, yeah, that that he knew who test did what 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 this what this listener is doing, and he tested out how he responded to these different. So I don't know what he just said. He's dabbling. You might we might be right. It might be like okay, five milligrams of D ball Monday, Wednesday, Friday is probably not going to matter too much, you know. Yeah. But but he maybe he's doing like fifty. Maybe he's got yeah some, like you know. I mean, and that's not a ton, but that'll, that'll hit you. Oh yeah. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, um, uh, if those are, if that's a new stimulus for you. Hell so, yeah, um, so maybe he does that for four weeks and then he goes to, um, maybe he just tries, you know, then he tries an injectable at like 300 
on top of his TRT. And then he pulls that and then he tries another like two weeks of an oral, you know, and they're like, they're sizable amounts enough to progress from. And he's like, okay, this one fucking lost my hair in like three days. Like my hair yeah. is like falling out. Like I'm not doing that, you know? And the other one is like, okay, I just, I just, I started getting itchy nipples and, uh, Novadex didn't work. So that's not working. But when I use this, oh shit, I felt great. You know, sex drive was high. I was making gains. My training was the best ever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that's a, it could be that he's using enough where he might be like, you know what? I think this is fine for the first go round because I want to be able to do this for the next 10 years. Yeah. And I'm going to get the most from the least, which I always say, yeah. and you're totally right. Like more is going to give him more, I think. Yeah. Well, and I'm but, not saying, I'm not saying like, you know, you got to run a lot, but it's almost like, like if we were to talk training, you got to commit to a training plan for a period of time and you really have to give it a go. You know, and so assuming the, the way I read it, if he's kind of dabbling, it's kind of like if you're dabbling with progressive yeah. overload for a few weeks and then you go to this for a few. Like, I, I just think that you, you might be better off. Like, let's let's focus on an off season. Let's focus on growing. Let's get some test in there. You know, maybe some EQ, some DECA. I don't know. But like really commit to it and to really understand how you respond. I think it can be a series of years like you might be better off like this year your experience you're experimenting with test and eq for your off season and yeah. maybe next year you decide you didn't like that or maybe you did and you do it again but you know don't don't forget man like there is going to be a, this phase is important for making progress and so committing to training committing to eating and committing to the gear really too you know is is all yeah. going to be important factors Here, here's the thing because um I think when people talk about training and gear, the way they, without giving, if they don't tell you the specifics, what you get is that um, people will underplay the gear use and they will overplay the training maybe in general. So he may be, and, I'm, and this is an accusation, but at all, when someone yeah. says, I'm, I'm kind of happy to hear someone say they're dabbling in gear. Because most people use more than they should probably need. That's to. true. That I is true. So I'm like, oh, this is good. So that if I if I take this, because we don't know, he didn't say any amounts. But I take this, like, okay, this is good. It, like a dabble nowadays is like that's a hefty dose. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true, this man. Maybe I'm, he's like, I'm, thinking. I'm dabbling so, 600 like, tests, 500 EQ. Here, like I train like an absolute animal, and I just use minimal amounts of gear or. I use all the gear I can get my hands on and I train like a pussy. <laughs> that's a good, that's a very valid yeah. point, isn't it? So that's kind of like, I don't know if that's my like experience, like been around for a while. It's like, so I like what that. are you taking? It's like, you know, I'm taking everything under the sun. Like I'm just little amounts of it, but it all adds up to like three grams a week. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it, it could be that he is using something that's getting him. He's in a, a sweet spot you know, for making gains, he's not like undershooting like you, like you said, because like a, a, an issue there, there literally physiologically would be you're using enough to really kind of shut yourself down. If you want to, if you want to be able to, well, he's on, on TRT, so that's not a problem, but you're, you're using, you're using it. You're using something that's not going to get you anything because it's not, it's not enough. Yeah. You know, to get, get so he, maybe he's just, maybe you just get sides, you know? It yeah. could be noticeable sides. Or, you know, oh. I've, I've even seen where like 10 milligrams of D-ball is enough to to really feel it. Like, I feel like I can tell when I take 10 milligrams of D-ball, but cumulatively, how much am I going to progress from that compared to, you know, like 500 test and 50 D-ball? Obviously, 
there's yeah. a there's a limit there and like you said you could go to you know why not 2000 test in 100 d ball but you know reasonable there's a there's a minimal effective dose i think to make yeah. optimal progress to make it worth your right. investment of money your investment of time you know yeah it, it, it may be too because there's so many ways this could be actually playing out true if you think about how many times have you heard i know you've listened to and done so many interviews you hear about like the pro, a pro who's a pro who you just kind of, because they're a pro, they have good, you know they've got good genetics because they became, the, the rise to pro status was, was pretty rapid. Yeah. Didn't take them, you know, they didn't get their pro card when they were in their 50s or something like that. And like, what was your first cycle? It's like, oh, I just took, you know, um, 50 milligrams of Nandrolone um, three times a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and they grew they, 25 pounds, something yeah. like that, you know? So he may be trying to figure out if he's if he's in that category. He's probably not. He would have known because he would have been would have been you know a really exceptional bodybuilder as a natural way back when probably. Yeah. But um, anyway, you don't know. So yeah, we both got very good, good valid points without knowing what he's at. But yeah, commit yourself to whatever you're trying to do. But know your my main thing is to know your know your parameters and know like what it is that you want because if his goal goals are everything, hmm. really. If his goal is to like just go for it and just like I'm going to give myself five years, like that's a you hear that often. I'm going to give myself five years to try to see how far I can rise in these ranks. Yeah. I'm willing, I'm going to do everything, monitor my blood work, take care of that. I'll do it. If his, if his goal is, if he doesn't have a goal, then my thought is that if you're, it makes sense to me at least with people that I work with, I, I want to have goals before you take the step of using using drugs um, and the potential sides and negatives that may come with those. Yeah. Um, because, you know, that's a, it's a powerful tool, you know, and with, as Spider-Man's dad said, with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> and hopefully a good gold match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, right? that is a great point, man. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, listen, I wanted to close on this comment cause I thought this was really yeah. nice from Luke and he says, uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, just finished listening to the last Muscle Minds. Uh, just got to say that I love how humble you are, Scott. It blows my mind how much you know, and you will still say that you aren't an expert after being in the industry for centuries, <laughs> literally for <laughs> centuries. <laughs> <I'm laughing>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there are so many people who have been training for a year, Max, who act like they know everything. There is always more to learn. I thought that was a really nice comment, so I wanted to make sure I got that up here. That is cool, and you you wonder because I mean I don't if I can go, I wish I go back and talk to my myself way back when maybe I was a brash asshole who thought he knew, <laughs> knew everything back in the day, and finally I figured like, I don't know shit because the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. That's the sort of way it's always been to me. That is so true, Which isn't is it? Wonderful, you know. But that's a cool. Thank you, Luke. I appreciate that that compliment. All right. Well, listen, let's get out of here. Uh, guys, of course, thank you for watching. Uh, if you want to support our programming, you can do so by shopping with our sponsors. Uh, we are sponsored by True Nutrition. They've been with us for a number of years. I'm so grateful for them because they do have high quality supplements that everything is tested and you can get about just about anything that you need from protein powders, uh, intro workouts, peri-workout, basically performance nutrition to health supplements. And if you use our code THINK, 
that will give you a small discount and it'll let them know that you are supporting our programming. Of course, we're brought to for our Canadian people by uh, supplementsource.ca. They have great blowout deals on all sorts of supplements. So definitely just check the site out if you guys are in Canada. You get a lot That's of stuff there. Ephedrine. Sure you can get your daily <laughs> You got to make sure you take, as Scott prescribes, three tabs a day. Scott is a doctor, <laughs> that's and that's his prescription. <laughs> but as a please, medical, as a medical doctor, this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you got to be careful. That's our entire YouTube channel is based on like trying to catch people saying shit they shouldn't say. Yeah. <laughs> well, anybody who takes me serious when I say that. You guys have got a lot to learn in life. You got a lot to learn in life. That's for sure. And uh, like uh, many of our listeners have, you guys can learn a lot more from Scott by checking out his books. Uh, Fortitude Training is uh, a great plan. We discussed that today. It's literally like 20 bucks and it will give you a lifetime of gains. So seriously, though, check that out and check out the book, uh, be your own bodybuilding coach.com. Like we discussed earlier today, I'll have links to everything down below guys. We appreciate you guys watching and Scott, this will be our last show before Christmas. So I want to say Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Oh, yeah. Same to you. Same to you, Scott. And congratulations. I guess I, we should say this it's on the boards, but congratulations on being a taken man. Yes. Yes. I am taken. I'm you officially totally taken. Are. And I, yeah. and I couldn't be I couldn't be happier. It's definitely uh, yeah. a marriage made in heaven is what it'll be. So I'm grateful. Yeah, and I'm glad you get to spend time together. And like you know, the border is allowing you guys to just do what two lovebirds should do, and that's be together. Especially so for Christmas. Man. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, for another episode of Muscle Minds with Scott Stevenson. I'm Scott McNally. We will see you soon. Thanks, Scott. <laughs>